Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We, You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and on 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this frustrated day one of my year, Demario Davis. I What I do each year is pick either an ex-Saint or an ex-Astro or a current one, a Saint or an Astro. And this past year was my year, Ryan Presley, who's the, the, the closer for the Astros. Uh, that was by far the best 55. The Saints didn't have too, too many good 55s over the years. And so if I wanted to go in the in – the, um, in the Dome Patrol days, Pat Swilling was my, at the time, now he's my third favorite member of the Dome Patrol. But at the time, because the whole Sam Mills having a statue in Orneville thing is just too sickening to me. But um, I, uh, I, I would, my, my, my favorite Dome Patrol guy was Vaughn Johnson. Wasn't even close. He was my favorite. Um and Ricky was obviously the best of the bunch. So I, I was never a huge Pat Swilling guy. Uh, certainly liked his skill set. Wish he could have picked up a few more fumbles. But um, but no, I, I'm a huge Demario Davis. I mean, how can you not like Demario Davis? So today is day one of my year, Demario Davis, and the Astros better win. I mean... You know, Jules did just like the last time when the Astros went to Fenway and what was that, late May or whenever that was. And he's, oh, they're going to bear it. And the Astros resurrected the Red Sox season. And it looks like the Astros are intending to do it again. But it's not just a Red Sox. The Astros just can't score runs at home. I mean, they just... It's been that way for years now. I I, I still don't I, I just don't get it. Like I just don't get it. They just they never it, it it's the thing that makes this whole trash can thing just so ignorant. Like they just never score runs at home. It's been that way forever. Bang on trash cans or not bang on trash cans. They just can't, they don't hit the ball at home. I, I'm, I mean, I, like last night, they really got shut out. If Bogarts doesn't botch a ball right through his legs, they, they don't score a run. They don't score any runs. They really got shut out. Their effort of offense last night was getting shut out. That's what it was. The Red Sox just gave them two runs. Just gave it to them. They just never score runs at home. So they uh, made a lot of – well, made three trades yesterday. The plan is in the next segment we're going to be talking with uh, Michael Schwab and get his impressions, just trying to figure it out. 
Can it work? Is it better? Um, the Astros acquire Trey Mancini from the Orioles, which probably means they're not going to get Josh Bell. In effect, Trey Mancini is a poor man's Josh Bell. He can play some first base, some outfield. Got a little pop in his bat. Not as good as Josh Bell, but probably didn't have to give up as much. And so they they were more willing to do the Trey Mancini thing than the Josh Bell thing. Uh, then the Astros traded for catcher Christian Vasquez, who I think is really good. I mean, I again, the Astros struggled to get him out. He is better than Candy, but he's and he's a Candy type leader for the Red Sox. So now the Astros have two catchers who are interchangeable. Vasquez is better than Candy, and and and, and so I, I I don't know. I think both of these catchers ought to be able to go back and forth, and they can keep them both fresh for the postseason. I mean, there's no reason. Why either of these guys, assuming they stay healthy, there's no reason why either one can't be fresh going into, as fresh as a catcher can be going into the postseason. Because, I mean, they, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to alternate them every day, but in effect, they could. Uh, Candy, by the way, he, 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 he's great at throwing out runners, but I mean, he has he blocked any? I mean. Luis Garcia, he's been pitching terrible. Pitched bad again last night. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping he's just going through a slump. He's been bad for a while now. Um, and so hopefully he can get a little sharper, and they need that. Um, I don't know. I, I, my, it's tra- today is trade deadline day. Hopefully they can acquire a center fielder. My, I was thinking, and Michael Schwab mentioned two weeks ago, that Gregory Soto was high on the Astros' wish list. Well, acquiring Will Smith last night for Jake Odorizzi from the Braves, um, does that mean Gregory Soto, was they, the Tigers were wanting more? And so, again, they went, well, the— I say poor man's Gregory Soto because I don't think Will Smith's as good as Gregory Soto right now, but but Will Smith is making $12 million this year. So he's not poor. Um, Will Smith, and we'll analyze it more, he's having a bad year, but he didn't have a bad year last year or the year before that or the year before that or the year before that. And so I, I'm thinking the Astros are thinking, you know, we scouted this guy. We played against him in the World Series last year, so we scouted him then, and he's not doing this right, and we can fix him. I mean, the Astros have fixed many a pitcher over the last five or six, seven years. Many a pitcher have come to the Astros doing okay, then they come to Houston and they just do great, like Montero. I mean, this guy, he's the Astros' best relief pitcher. He was a throw-in of last year's trade from the Mariners. They were DFAing him. They were cutting him, and they just threw him in. And he's the Astros' best relief pitcher this year, most consistent. So, um, we'll see. 
and we'll talk with Michael about that as well. Obviously, um, there is, you know, we talked a great deal yesterday about Deshaun Watson. I don't know how I'm on, on Major League Baseball trade deadline day. I don't know how much we're going to talk about that. I'm, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Saints, but it'll be a lot of baseball today, starting in the next segment with um with Michael Schwab. But uh, before we do that, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Hello, sir. Hey, did you see that video with uh, Christian Vasquez when he found out he got traded? Yeah, I, you know, he's one of these lifelong Red Sox guys, and so I, I think he was kind of traumatized. He looked like a deer in headlights. Dude, that had to have been, I don't know, that's one of the craziest videos I've ever seen. I think like he was genuinely out. heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, I think I just, yeah. I mean, to find out that you've been traded by a reporter uh, with the team that you're playing against, you know, that's just yeah. Um, it was just kind. Of, we've seen it before. It's kind of bizarre. And again, everybody knows it's a business. But when you're a guy who was drafted by a team and you've been with them for a long time, it, it, you know, it's, it can be heartbreaking. Yeah. Anyways. That's why I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was crazy. Uh, I, I think know. he's a good guy. See, everybody says he's a good guy. You know, one of these, you know, loyal, leadership, great guys who does all the right stuff. So, I mean, look, I, I, that was a home run acquisition. The other two, yeah. eh, we'll see. But uh, Vasquez was a home run acquisition. Hopefully they can figure out a way to make it work. Hey, you know, uh, just uh, saying to real quick, uh, you know who they've been praising the uh, this training camp is uh, Paulson Adibo. Oh man, I, I get that. Dude, it's like, All I have to do is see his name or say hear anyone say his name, and it, and I just want to giggle because it, I, I, my my you know I've been excited ever since they got first I, since that first preseason game I saw him play. I'm like, man, this guy looks like nothing that, that the Saints have had. You know, I, I think. My expectations are that within a year or two, the two best cornerbacks in the history of this franchise are going to be Paulson Adebo, and that's day one. And, and, and they're going to be on this team. And everybody tells me this is a depleted roster. Y'all are driving me crazy. This is the best roster this team has ever had if they can just figure out their safety situation and Will Lutz can, can kick the ball through the big H on a consistent basis. Like, where's Tyron Matthew at, man? You know. Well, again, I'm not worried about that as long as he comes back and he knows what he's doing. They if they throw a game away because the safeties give up one or two many too too many big plays against a team they're better than in the in the preseason stage of the NFL season, I'm gonna lose my mind. I just that is number right, that's one. Part of it, though. That's that's why we need Tyron Matthew there so they can get the reps and all this other stuff, you know. So you know, I, don't, I mean, like everything is going perfect, and then Tyron Matthews listen. Well, you hopefully know. he comes back soon. Okay. All right, Kevin. Thank you for Thank the you. call, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Paulson Adebo, man. Oh man, just so exciting. But got to put that on the back burner. We'll take a timeout when we come back. We'll talk. To Michael Schwab from the Juice Box Journal, get his impressions as we try to decipher the trades that 
the Astros made yesterday and um, and how, how will they plan out the pros and cons and try to speculate what might take place today before the trade deadline. We'll do all that next with Michael Schwab on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really to his core that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, Astro Weekend getaway for Astros will be playing the Orioles. Looking like it's going to be the reunion of Trey Mancini against his old team. On Saturday, August the 27th, if you would like to win four tickets to that game, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that evening, you simply need to join the game clubhouse and you will be eligible to win Astro Weekend getaway, always powered by Butcher Air Condition, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us, one day after Astros made three trays, got completely dominated by a Red Sox pitcher, who has been who's having an awful year and looking at toward trade deadline today today Ms. uh Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal how are you sir I'm doing great I'm alive it's trade deadline day so let's go It is it is going to be some All right trying to figure out let, let let's start I, there's good you know there's reason to believe that this can work out and then there's some things that I'm concerned about Well let's start with the home run I think one of these of the three trades made yesterday, one of them was a home run, and the other two we'll we'll see. Um, Tr- Christian Vasquez was just to me, it's just a home run. He's a veteran catcher. He knows the pressure of the postseason. He's been there. Uh, you know, he's on. He's having a really nice year at the plate, and he seems like he's going to be. It's almost like having two candies, but this one can hit. That's exactly right. And I think there was a glaring need at backup catcher for the Astros, specifically because Castro is not available. And we're still waiting to hear what's going on. He could be moved to the 60-day IL. Maybe he can come back. It's seeming right now that that's not likely of him coming back. So they needed to fill that spot. And, you know, this trade doesn't say that Maldonado is gone. Or what do you, what do you like to call him again? Candy. Candy. Candy, yeah, Maldi is still going to be the starter. But I think he needs some load management. Maybe we're going to see him go 60% and Vasquez go 40%. But, I mean, he's he's a good hitter. He's a great pinch hitter for the catcher spot. You can throw him at first base if you want to, but he's your catcher. He's got great defense. He's batting 262 this year. He's got playoff experience. Um, so I agree. That's a slam dunk for me to get him. And – 
you know, I, I'm excited to see what, what they do with them. Yeah, I think they're going to find some alternate. You know, the 60-40 thing kind of makes sense. You know, Vasquez, is, he's, he's actually at 282. He has 51 Ks. Just Candy has 83 Ks. And so, you know, he doesn't strike out as much as Candy does. I think you have two legitimate catchers, two legitimate leaders. Uh, to me, that's a home run. All right, Trey Mancini. You know, everyone's been talking Josh Bell, Josh Bell, Josh Bell. It seems like this is he's like the poor man's Josh Bell in that he could play some outfield, he could do some DHing, he could play first base. Uh, he doesn't have quite the um, you know Josh Bell's been hitting over three hundred all year long and got an RBI double yesterday off for Scherzer. Mancini's not quite at that level, but he he gives you that flexibility that a Josh Bell would have gave you, and you didn't give up as much as it probably took to get Josh Bell. That's exactly right. And, and reports are now coming out that the reason why teams are waiting on Josh Bell is because I believe it's going to be tied with Juan Soto, which would mean that he's probably going to the Padres, which is an unbelievable trade. So they put the asking price too hard, the Nats did. But I think Trey Mancini to me is an exciting, exciting position because a couple of different things. Number one, he's a great story. He overcame uh, colon cancer. So that's an exciting thing that's coming to the Astros. Uh, you know, he's hitting 268 this year. He's got 10 homers. But what's very exciting is that when they, the Orioles Park moved the left field back, he lost all his home runs. And so when you go to Baseball Savant and you look at parks that he would be hitting homers, he should, he should have 22 homers at Minute Maid Park. So I think a, a pull-heavy hitter like him is going to thrive on the Astros. You can play him in left field. You can play him in right if you really want to. But I think he's a left fielder backup first baseman or take that spot or designated hitter. So you've added a new hitter to the lineup. We'll just have to see how he does with us. But I'm happy about that trade. I'm actually – I feel like for him and Vasquez, they're both very even exciting trades to me. Um, You just got to get them in the lineup and see how they do. Right. Now, you you definitely hit upon – you know, there's all kind of ways of looking at trades and any kind of acquisition that you make. And I think the very plus side of this is one of my complaints about the – and look, the Astros have been unbelievable, you know, the the last six or seven years, the best stretch of my lifetime as a, as a fan. I mean, it's unbelievable. But the one thing that's always aggravated me, and we've talked about it before, Bregman does a pretty good job of this, but the Astros don't have enough hitters in my in – my, over the last two decades, in my estimation, that takes advantage of the Crawford boxes. And it looks like Trey Mancini could be one of those Crawford box guys like you just mentioned. The potential downside is, Trey. just to give you an uh, uh, by comparison, obviously Yuli was tremendous last year. The most, the most times Yuli ever struck out for the Astros was 68 times. That was last season when he won the batting title. In his last... Uh, last year, Trey Mancini struck out 143 times. The year before that, 143 times. And the year before that, 153 times. He has 86 strikeouts already this year. Uh, in other words, he strikes out almost double what Yuli does in a season. Yeah, I That's think my concern with him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 21% strikeout percentage this year is nothing – to be excited about, but that's pretty even for most of the team. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is that you hope that the scouting and analytics from the Astros can help them kind of look at pitches a little bit better. They're really known for doing that. They've always been a low strikeout team for the most part, but 
I, I, you know, I, I think it's not Joey Gallo here. So, you know, if he's going to strike out, you just hope that he's getting he's getting better hits. He's getting better. He's getting home runs. His OPS is looking good. I think, you know, .404 is nothing to, to bat an eye at for slugging. So I agree with you. It's always important to see those strikeouts. But, you know, my hope is that he comes in, the fresh team, and he gets fresh eyes in a new park. All right. So I think – you know, I, I, we were discussing yesterday. Okay, are they did they pick up Trey Mancini to play outfield, or did they pick up to play first base? I think they just picked him up to have another. He's going to do all of that, and, and every day they're going to have a different kind of lineup. And 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 you know, sometimes he's going to play the outfield. He's probably going to DH here and there, and he's going to play. You know, they're just going to have all of that flexibility. I mean, is that what you're expecting, or do you think he's going to play predominantly at one of those spots? I think you know James Click loves flexibility. That's why they pick they bring players like this. The biggest thing that we're seeing is that to me, what the Trey Mancini trade tells us is we should be worried about Michael Brantley. Trey Mancini is pretty much taking that role, except that he can play first base as well. I still think that they're going to give Yuli a shot, specifically after having a great July, and he's still doing well. I mean, it's not time for them to move on. He had the batting champ, you know, title last year. But, you know, you have the option that if, you know, you, God forbid, if Yuli stops producing, you put Mancini at first base. You know, you switch him out to start in, at DH and left hitter with, with Jordan. You just have him always in the lineup. And if Brantley does come back, that is an added step that is great for the team. And then you can have that hard conversation with Yuli, maybe move him to the bat, uh, excuse me, to the bench. So I think we'll see Mancini. 90% of the time in the lineup because of his bat and having that flexibility is great. So we won't see him at a particular position. We'll just see him hitting, which is great. All right. We're speaking with Michael Schwab of the juice box journal. All right. Uh, last night during the game, we get the news that the Astros have traded Jake Odorizzi to the Braves for relief pitcher and former closer, Will Smith. Will Smith is having an awful year this year for the Braves, but he is a left-handed pitcher, and the Astros haven't had a, you know, a really top-notch left-handed reliever in a while. And he he was really good last year. He was really good the year before that. I don't know what's going on. I mean, for, you know, his his whip this year is 151, but it he hadn't had a whip anywhere near close to that bad since 2014 when he was a young pitcher. So I don't know what's going on with him. His strikeouts to innings pitch is way down this year. It You know, uh, last year, he struck out 87 batters. Two, three years ago, the n- last full season, he struck out 96 batters. So, obviously, the Astros see something that they think they can fix. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about this Smith trade is that when you look at it first shot, shot and you see how Braves fans think, feel about it, it makes you nervous. They're all say, have fun, good luck with him. Um, but here's the thing that really sticks out to me. He's got an ERA of 1.47 in the playoffs for his career. That's 20 appearances. You know his ERA was last year? Zero in the playoffs. He was the closer for the for the Braves during the playoffs. He got the final out for the Braves against the Astros in the World Series. God forbid. Hard to see that. But I think that's really good to see that. And he only had three hits in the World Series versus the Astros. So what you see is kind of a Jekyll Hyde situation. When he's 
in the regular season, you're going to get some pretty bad stuff, and we're going to see those. But he seems to do really well in the playoffs, which is what the Astros need, and we're getting close to it, too. Now, his stats versus lefty batters is what we want to see. He's got, uh, you know, he's averaging about batting average of .222 of his career versus lefties. That's what they need. They need a specialist. I think this also shows you that, um, you know, Parker's machine is not going to, or what is it, machine key is not going to come up. And also Blake Taylor, who's the, uh, the lefty, is probably not going to come up as well. So they needed a lefty. They got one. You know, you, I would love to see Gregory Soto, which I said on the show before, but you know, I think with with Will Smith, you get someone who's great in the playoffs, and that's what they need. And um, I, like I was going to be my next question. I guess that means the Gregory Soto thing's probably not going to happen because I would think the next priority, if they make a trade today, is to get a center fielder. Don't you? Wouldn't you anticipate that? Yeah. So here's the thing. I think. If they need to make, if they can only make one more trade today, it needs to be another bat. Because last night was a great example. We can't be losing by one run over and over and only scoring two runs. You know, you need to have producers in the lineup and let Dusty figure out where they go. Uh, you know, in the field or in the lineup. But you need to have the luxury of having hitters that can get things done. And right now, it's not doing it. I love Chaz McCormick. I think he's not really doing it. You know, every single day, you know, Pena, he's struggling right now. But if you put better hitters in there, that'll allow him to just calm down. Also will help Tucker as well. So I think today we'll see a uh, another bat. I'd love for it to be a center fielder. But to be honest with you, Kevin, I'm not sure what great hitters are available right now. I love Brian Reynolds, but, I mean, he's hitting just as good as Chaz McCormick. So here's here, let's go crazy. Here, let's go super crazy here. Why not look for a left fielder or a right fielder and put Tucker in center and call the day? There's some <clears> great <throat> left fielders out there. I don't have good names. Maybe an Ian Happ or something like that. Someone who can come in immediately and just destroy the lineup and get good hits. And well, Ian Happ Tucker has played center. some center field, but he, he, here's my issue. First of all, I, I think what they're going to do is if they don't acquire a legitimate center fielder, I think what they're going to do is pretty pretty much keep Tuck, who I'll call Icky, in right field, and and then for the playoffs, play him in center field. Because you, you don't want – first of all, I'm starting to get a little worried about Icky because we were talking about it on the show yesterday. Uh, he has the same swing as Bellinger and the same swing as Yelich. Those guys were MVP guys and then went in the tank. And I don't, I don't think Tucker's going to do that. But he's been bad for six weeks now. I'm a. Are you not yeah. worried about him at all? He doesn't even have competitive at bats anymore. I just think that Tucker is. He's hilarious in in random months. Terrible in April and March. He's amazing in May. Amazing in June. He's fine in July. He's okay. No, he's actually terrible in July for his career. So I'm looking at his career splits per month. He's up and down. And then September and August, he stepped it up again. So I, I'm not worried about Tucker right now at, at all because he will pull together and he'll go on a string of hits. You know, the biggest thing is how is he going to do in the playoffs? And he's done pretty good in the playoffs for sure. It's just when there's too much pressure on him and there's not enough bats, you can really see it. Uh, so that's where I'm saying you add more lineup bats 
you put someone in front of them that can help them. That's why I think Tucker could do is good to stay at the five or six spot. Just let him calm down and hit well, and then he'll come through. So, yeah, to answer your question, Kevin, I, I'm not too concerned about him right now. I mean, if, if we've got a whole month of August and he sucks, then we are having a tough conversation. But that's why you need more people in the lineup just to help people feel better. You can take him out for a few games, let him rest, come back and do his thing. I, I, I No, I, I, that all makes sense. I, I think I'm fine with him if they don't acquire a real center fielder. I'm fine with him playing center field in the postseason, but I don't want him to be the full-time center fielder between now and then. I just, I'd rather like I think I think Judge plays too much center field for the Yankees. If I was a Yankee fan, I wouldn't like that. They're only doing that to boost his MVP numbers. That's it. That's all they're doing. They want you know you put him in center field, and let him get his MVP numbers up because hey, here's a center field hitting all these home runs. That's it. Yeah, it just – and look, they can have all the MVPs they want. I don't even like for when the Astros win MVPs. But anyway, it, it's – it. I, I just think center field is a much more physically demanding position than the corner outfielders are. And I, I, I'd prefer to keep them out. I, you know, I agree with you, and Dusty has said that too. Um, they're just going to – the analytics team is going to bring in the players and give Dusty the options – You've got five left and right fielders. What are you going to do? So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, they could bring in another player. Um, they can probably get you a center fielder, but at what cost? I would love to see Alotis Garcia from the Rangers. I think he'd be a great addition. It's going to cost a lot to get him, but you've got him until 2027 or 2028. Um, another Cuban player. He's exciting. He does strike out a lot, so there's your problems. But, it, you know, this day is going to be really interesting for Astros fans. If they see a right fielder or a left fielder come to this team again who is straight up in the outfield, then you'll know where Tucker's going. He's going to center. And I agree with you, Kevin. I think you put him too much in there, you're going to stretch him out and get him too, too – uh, it's going to wear him down. But – I think they're trying to win it all. That's what. That's oh, what they're definitely. Like you know, there's no question they're trying to do that. What happens? What would the reaction be if they traded for Miles Straw? <laughs> I think you would see people with torches going up to Minute Maid Park, and, and that's what's terrible, though, because I love Straw. I love him, and and there were so many haters for Miles Straw. He's a serviceable center fielder. He's great. But, I mean, he's right now, I hate to say this, he's Jake Myers. You know, I, I, I think we're seeing just a downturn in all center fielders across the league right now. You see some really top guys who are doing it. Uh, and then you see some guys who are just kind of falling to the bottom. I mean, I think it's Michael A. Taylor from Kansas City. I think yeah. he'd be a good pickup. He's great. But I, I don't think defense is the issue. This is why they got rid of the theory. Jose Siri is an incredible defensive player in center, but I don't think they care about defense in center. I think they need hitters because they're committed to Maldi 60% of the time. They want Pena in there. He needs to do his thing. Uh, so they need another hitter. They need one through seven to be performing. That's and, what they need. And, and they need they need their players to schedule pregnancies a little better. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, 
one more thing, and then I'll let you go. You know what's the irony about this? All season long, I've been saying they got to get to the point where they don't have to play Lemus Diaz so much. He's the hottest hitter on the team right now and has been for the last three or four weeks, and he's the one that's probably going to get squeezed out of at-bats with all these new acquisitions. That's the irony of all this. It truly is. But I, I'm going to say something, and I'm and it's blasphemous. So hear me out. Aladmus is is kicking butt right now. I mean, he had one of the he had of all the players in July. It went Jordan and then Aladmus Diaz were the best players in that, uh, for the Astros in July. Here's the thing: if if Pena keeps struggling and he can't pull it together, Aladmus Diaz is going to be calling, and that's the thing. You know, you, you the fact that Pena has gone this far in the August. Playing shortstop, doing great defensively. He's hitting pretty well. But if August is terrible for him, then you've got a shortstop on the team that can do it. So that's that's kind of an interesting place to be, showing how well he is. Uh, you know, they're they got a backup situation. Astros couldn't have a better situation for Diaz hitting so well. All right. Well, it was a fascinating day yesterday, trade wise, and uh, ho- hopefully Vasquez can. Have a big day, play him today, and he can help beat the Red Sox, and he can cry and be upset, and then he can become an Astro, and it will be great. And it's going to be a fascinating day to see what happens today, and hopefully they can start hitting. I appreciate your time very much, sir. Absolutely, Kevin. We'll, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Enjoy the day. Take care. Michael Schwab. No, it's it, it's fascinating. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of things to like about these trades. I, I really liked, and I was going to ask him about that. I really think it was something we were discussing yesterday um, after the trade. I think Trey Mancini has a chance to be a Crawford box guy. I think he is a Crawford box type hitter. Uh, there aren't too many of them that, you know, Bregman over the years has taken advantage of the Crawford boxes more than most. And I think Trey Mancini could be that guy, which I'm all for. They, they, if you're going to have it, you might as well uh, make it a strength of yours. And I think one of the things that's going to be absolutely critical is for the Astros to do what Will Smith, what they've done with so many other pitchers, which is kind of straighten them out and get them going in the right direction. I know Will Smith's having a horrible year, but hopefully they can – you know, all you have to do go is go back to last year. He was good last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. So hopefully they can fix him. And if they do, then uh, this trade deadline could be critical. These trade deadline moves could be critical in the big picture. We'll take a timeout, come back. We'll have open phone lines the rest of the shows after starting after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 2nd, 1982. Oakland A's outfielder Ricky Henderson steals his 100th MLB base of the season in a 6-5 win over Seattle. Henderson is the first to steal 100 twice in modern era. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if you have not joined the game clubhouse, what are you waiting for? It could put you in position to win all kind of great prizes like $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or a $50 gift certificate to Have Shell Oyster House or to the Acadiana Bar and Grill. So it's free. It's simple. Sign up today and you might win one of all these great prizes and as well as Astro tickets and others. So join the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Again, it is baseball trade deadline day. And so a lot of interesting moves. One of the ones that slipped by me that, you know, the Braves are really going after it. And they've made a lot of good trades over the, you know, they they saved their season and won the World Series with trades at the trade deadline last year. Uh, I think Robbie Grossman is a tricky good player. I've always I've always joked he's a baseball player. He, he has good quality at bats on a consistent basis. And um, I kind of like that acquisition. By the Braves, I, I, I had not – that slipped by me last night. I did not – when I woke up this morning, it was kind of reviewing all the trades that had been made. I, I didn't realize on that one. Now, Oda Rizzi – Oda Rizzi is a fine starting pitcher. He's not great, but he's fine. He, he's a little quirky personality-wise. I, I think uh, he's a guy who I'm sure there are a lot of clubhouses in Major League Baseball. He wouldn't fit in – feel real comfortable with I I my, my only concern with him would be how's he going to fit in personality he's just strange just a strange guy I don't feel like he really fit ever really fit in all that great in Houston um but other than he's had one or two bad starts but other than that he's pitched pretty fun, pretty well like he, he threw seven shutout innings when was that Sunday over the weekend and so He's done fine as a pitcher. He's just a little quirky. Uh, he allows you to, you know, to lengthen your your starting pitching. The Braves, you know, have started. Not, every, you know, not that many teams in Major League Baseball have starting pitching like the Braves or the Astros do. And the Braves, with adding Odorizzi, can probably go to a six-man rotation like the Astros have been doing. And, uh, you know, other teams have been trying. They're just trying to get to three starting pitchers. Um, and the Astros and the Braves and a couple other teams kind of have the luxury of being able to do a six-man rotation. And hopefully, um, you know, until McCullers comes back, Astros probably won't be able to do that uh, until that happens. And hopefully that's pretty close. So we'll see how that plays out. Again, the game hotline is 706 0111 7060111. You know, he mentioned Michael Taylor. That's the second time today I've heard that name. He's a guy, he's a center fielder for the Royals, and he's good defensively and he's fast, but he's, he can't hit. So it would have cost a lot more, but boy, I, I, they had gotten Cedric Mullins instead of Trey Mancini for the Orioles. I'd feel a little better. But, you know, you get what you can get for what, you know. In my mind, the Astros didn't give up anything, and they acquired three players yesterday. I mean, Oda Rizzi is a functional starter, but it's like, oh, how in the world do you move on with life without Jake Oda Rizzi? He's not one of those guys. So, 
it's um in my mind they didn't give up a whole lot and they acquired three players that could eat that could you could certainly see how they could help the team i um i'm hoping if can candy getting more time off will help him like the way too many balls have gotten by candy in the last month i mean it's been it's been a sieve back there so i'm hoping that gets better and you don't want and, and you know he's had a little bit of a power surge in the month of July. And so I'm hoping that if he gets the more days off he gets and he's not as worn down that, you know, that he can continue that power game. That would be nice to see. That'd be that I don't that that, that, that would be very good. Uh around the league, obviously everyone's waiting to see. It was very interesting what Michael brought up is that there's some talk that Bell and Soto may be a package deal. Yesterday, people were reporting that it was all but a done deal that Soto was going to the Cardinals. But if if there's any truth, which I you know I don't know if it's true, but if there's any truth to the package deal, you know the Cardinals already have a first baseman, like an MVP candidate at first base. So today you're starting to hear Padres, and that could make a lot of sense. You know, they could trade Hosmer in that deal and put Bell at first base and put Soto in the outfield. Wow. Wow. That would be dynamic. And the trade yesterday that had people all over the country scratching their heads is the Padres traded for Josh Hader. And they traded their closer, Rodgers, who's on my fantasy team, uh, and 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 he was having a really good year. Now he's blown a couple saves lately, but so has Hater blown a couple saves recently. Hater got majorly lit up a couple weeks ago, back to back outings. So Hater has more of a history, but I don't know that he's having any better of a season than Rogers is having. Uh, and I've always thought Dennison Lamette had some potential. He's just been injured uh, this year, so I, that was a fascinating trade. Um, why would the Brewers, I mean, they got more players out of it, but I wonder what's the deal with, with them trading Hater. That was very interesting. So the Padres are really going for it. And if they can get Soto and Bell, I, I don't know if they can do that. But if they do, wow. I mean, wow is all you can say. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour of Footnotes on this frustrating yet hopeful Tuesday morning. We'll be back on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Just have a few minutes left in this hour. You know, Michael brought up the name Ian Happ. He hasn't been traded for the Cubs, and neither has the catcher Contreras. You know, a lot of prob- – some of those things are going to – dominoes are going to fall if and when the Soto thing happens today. You know, three or four days ago, I was starting to wonder if it was going to happen at all, but the rumors are just so hot and heavy with the Padres and the Cardinals, and you never can count out the punks because they just try to buy everything. Um, I, um, I, I, it makes you think that something's going to happen there, but uh, no. If he goes to the Cardinals, all the talk is, well, they'll definitely sign Contreras. My question is, where will Contreras and or Hap go if Soto, if Soto, especially Soto and Bell, both go to the Padres? Because the Punks are already good at catcher. Um, Yankees, maybe. You know, the Yankees are okay at catcher, but they're not really good at catcher. Wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees went after him. I'm trying to think who else uh, is a contender. The Braves. They got his brother. They've been good at catcher, but I wouldn't say they're great. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting I don't know where Contreras would go. So lot, lots to still get figured out and ironed out this um, today on this trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. That'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's <coughs> Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. On this, as I said, frustrating yet hopeful Tuesday morning. Frustrating because the Astros got dominated by the Red Sox last night. They seem very intent. They did it in May, and it looks like they're trying to do it again, uh, reviving the Red Sox season. They kept... The Red Sox were uh, about to die, and the and the Astros revived their season a couple months ago, and here they are playing again, and right on the edge of maybe dying. It looks like the Astros are trying to revive the Red Sox once again. We'll see if they are successful or not over these next two days. Um, we've been talking mostly baseball trade deadline. Certainly, if you have any thoughts, you know, whether it's the Mets or the Yankees or the Braves or the Cardinals or the Punks or the, you know, any team, Padres, everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen with Soto and how that all plays out. So certainly feel free to call again. The game hotline is 706-0111. It is August, though, and so we'll be talking football 
a little bit as well. In two days will be the Hall of Fame game. Unbelievable. What is it? The Raiders and the Jags, I think, is in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, That's going to take place in a couple days. Uh, Thursday and Friday, there'll be college football teams beginning their August practice sessions all over the country, including in Baton Rouge and here in Lafayette. Two day, in two days, we're going to have the big uh, kind of media day with the Cajuns. And so college football, we'll be talking a lot more college football, of course, thanks to Tucktail and starting that ball rolling. You know, so much of it is this big secret CIA operation in college athletics these days. But um, so we won't, you know, it'll be mostly speculating and guessing. Um, you don't really get to see anything for another month. So we say football starting, but it really it really doesn't start for another month. Um and we're being told uh, I'm being I'm seeing here McNeese starts practice tomorrow. So again, football season's here. And lots of speculating. I don't know that we'll get to it today, but by the end of the week we'll certainly start the process that we do each year of figuring out you know, the Cajuns, Tigers, Saints, this year the McNeese Cowboys, and just trying to figure out, okay, what are the expectations? And this year, I I, I think those waters are as muddy as they've been in a while for those teams. I mean, lot, lots of – you could argue that all four of them, no, I don't really think that's the case. But I've heard the argument that – um all four of them, kind of, you don't really know, kind of muddy waters, kind of unclear waters at least. Maybe not all the way to muddy, but like <clears throat> all of them are in some sort of transition trying to figure out where they're going to be in the foreseeable future. So we'll see how, the, you know, that's going to make for a very interesting season. Along that line with the Saints, the news came out yesterday that, Alvin Kamara's court date, he wasn't there. It got pushed back to late September. And so the conclusion that many people have made yesterday is that that means, I don't know if you could say that's fact yet. I wouldn't say that's fact. But the conclusion that a lot of people reached is that means that 41 is going to play for the Saints the entire season. Now, Again, I'm still so gun-shy after all the bad stuff that's happened to this team over the last two years to to even really embrace that. I mean, to even – it's like I'm going to be in – I know a lot of people are convinced that that's a reality, but I'm still so gun-shy after all the bad things that have happened to this team the last two years. I'm not going to believe it until I see it, Uh, that – Again, I'm I'm over the top optimistic about the roster. And so you say, well, why are you being glass half empty? Well, no, I'm I'm way I'm over the top optimistic and glass half full about what this roster looks like and the potential of this roster. Still way too gun shy to just accept that it's going to work out for the Saints. I mean, it, 
you know, the last two years, just nothing's worked out. Like, they've just gotten bad break after bad break after bad break after bad break. It's like, man, when is this going to end? But I did. it did hit me yesterday when I first heard people making that claim, whether it's true or not, could it be a sign that it's going to be payback time for the Saints this year? The breaks are actually going to go their way for the first time in three years, four years, really four years. I mean, you know, 19, they got totally cheated by the NFL. Um, 20, a little bit, but, um, and, you know, and then like, it's just so, just no breaks. Like, I mean, just, can they just catch any breaks, please, ever? It just hasn't been happening. Hopefully, this is a good sign. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Sorry to call back. Oh, that's okay. Speaking of bad breaks, uh, old friend Tom Brady and the Buccaneers just look like they got another one. Right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, carried off or carted off the field. Today? Yeah, today. I just read that from Rick Stroud. Who's a Buccaneer beat rider, longtime Buccaneer beat rider. Tom might leave yep. for Miami before the end. You know, Tom ain't, he oh. ain't for, he ain't, look, he, he's his entire career has been a pleasure cruise. So he might not even make, if this could continue, he might not even make it to the opener. Like he might just jump ship. Um, <laughs> Jump ship. That right, that yeah. that cat that cat's never ever had to overcome anything. He uh, might, not, he might it, jump ship from the Tampa Bay. Yeah, he, he might demand a trade for the Dolphins. <laughs> I'm just joking, but I mean, wow! I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, it just happened a little ago. Anyways, so hey, you know, maybe it's not. You know, maybe the bad breaks will work the other way now. Who knows? Whatever. Anyways, wow! Just to let you know. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, I, I had not heard that this morning. I um, when the Ryan Jensen thing happened, whenever that was late last week, I I thought it was the day before. Apparently, it happened early that morning because they, they had already reported on. I mean, like it. I get up around a little bit before seven most days, and it was already being reported on all the channel, you know, Fox and ESPN and CBS Sports Line and all that network and all that. Um. But I had not heard that this morning. Wow. And he is a beast. I mean, a beast, Tristan Wirfs. A beast. And so, you know, the offensive line, when when when, when Brady got to Tampa, the defense was there. I mean, they were, you know... I was telling everyone who would listen the year before Brady got there that the Buccaneers were about an 11-win team that year. They just gave games away because Bruce Arians is a silly. I mean, he just gets to the point of silliness. They just gave games away uh, with just awful play calling. Um, But they were so explosive on offense. They just made way too many mistakes, and their defense was just just awesome. I mean, little little iffy at times in the secondary, 
but their run defense and their linebacker play was just incredible. So he went to the one question at that point. Well, there's two questions. One was kicker. Their special teams were bad. Their kicker cost them a ton of games for years. And the other one was the offensive line. So the offensive line has actually gotten better since Brady got there. Um, That was the one question, like, when they first signed him, like, eh, how's the offensive line going to be? I think it's actually gotten better. So the fact that they've now had two injuries, hmm, we'll see how that plays out. How long all of it? It sounds like Jensen's very seriously – Serious, obviously, I'm just hearing about worse for the first time. Speaking of injuries and panic mode, uh, the Cowboys lost former Steeler wide receiver James Washington to an injury, supposedly six to ten weeks going to be out. In the offseason, the Cowboys traded one of their top receivers to the Browns and uh, Michael Gallup, another one of their you know, top two or three receivers is starting the season hurt. Now, I, I don't know how long, you know, supposedly he's not going to be there for the opener. How long does that mean? Who knows? But, and then obviously, you know, this time of the year, people are going to panic. You know, they, they've gone, how ironic, how, how has that changed? The Cowboys have gone to arguably the deepest wide receiving core in the NFL last year. And you could argue the Saints had the the least amount of depth at wide receiver of any team in the NFL last year. And you fast forward a year, now the Saints have, <clears throat> you know, they're they're talking about um, they're talking about, you know, with the Saints, how are they gonna what where they, they got so many good wide receivers or wide receivers with potential, what are they gonna do with all these people? And the Cowboys are like, well, who in the world is going to play wide receiver past C.D. Lamb? So it's funny how that works. By the way, I'm being told that um, worse, it was just cramps and that Bowles is saying he, he's going to be fine. So I guess um, if it's not a big deal, Brady will, Brady will stay and not jump ship and look for something better. Uh, you know, continue his pleasure cruise of a career. Um, <clears throat> so, again, I hadn't heard anything about it. David just called, but uh, if it's sounding like it, it, it's just cramps. But, again, the point of all that is maybe, just maybe, some of these early signs are that the breaks are going to go the Saints' way this year. I, I'm not willing to to buy it just yet because, again, I'm still gun-shy after two years of just unbelievable bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. And um, so hopefully the break, the you know, it's the Saints' turn for some breaks to go their way, and it will happen this year. We, we will see. Um, just a foot. Yes. So I have two things for you. Uh, one from the Raging Cajun Athletics. Dr. Maggot received a contract extension through June of 2027. As well, uh, Bob Nightingale is reporting that in non-trade news, catcher Jonathan LaCroix announced his retirement and will be inducted into the Milwaukee Brewers Hall of Fame on Saturday. 
Oh, that's good for him. Yes, that, that that's good. Um, yeah, it was pretty apparent that his career was over, but that, 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 you know, he had a tremendous career, Jonathan, so that is good news. And obviously anything with Dr. Maggart is a good route. His, um, his, um, him staying around longer is tremendous news. No, no question about that. All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and take a timeout, and we'll come back. A little bit, you know, more. We'll get back to baseball. We'll continue to talk some football as well. We'll do that on the other side of this timeout on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Remember, Astro Getaway 4 is going to take place Saturday, August the 27th. The Baltimore Orioles will be in town. If you would like to win four tickets to that game, a tour Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations, you need to join the clubhouse and put yourself eligible to win Astro Weekend Getaways. As always, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. But did you see the latest thing the Orioles did? They traded Lopez. Now, they haven't won in forever. The fan base is finally excited. They're two and a half games out of the wild card, and they start trading that body away. Now, again, I, I get that, and, and I'm sure there are many of them that are bad. But I looked up Jorge Lopez. He has never had a good year in the major leagues until this year. And so I think it's very wise of an organization to have a player who's having a career year. He got completely shelled last season. So – I think you sell high on a guy having out of the blue a career year, and he's never had a good year in the major leagues before. Now, I don't well, know what they got. I don't know what they got. I, I understand what your initial thought was, man, why would you get rid of him now? He pitched in the All-Star game. He's having this great year, but he's never been good before. So they might feel like, man, we need to let, let's get something for this guy because we don't trust his long-term viability. Well, what makes them think he's not going to be able to continue to <laughs> – to pitch the way he's pitching now. Maybe he did. Maybe there's something that he's doing different than he was yeah, doing before. That I'm could just be. Saying, from a from a fan base <laughs> perspective, I mean, those people got to be scratching their heads saying, "What are they doing?" I agree. Now they got a guy. You know? They got. They really do have a lot of good young players, and I, you know, I guess they're trying to kind of maintain, you know, stay viable and replenish the organization. Now again. You got to hit on these trades. Doesn't do any good if you get three players and or four players in the minor leagues and 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 none of them ever become part of your major league regular uh, lineup. So if they hit on them, it's going to be a brilliant move long term. But right now, you're right. The public perception is probably not good. It's not going to be good. All right. Well, we're in for an interesting afternoon. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Larry. 
<clears throat> no, it, it's it's a legitimate question that uh, Larry asked, and I'm sure there are plenty of Baltimore Oriole fans who have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to become viable again. You know, it, it, it it's a baseball-rich area. The Orioles, when I was young, you know, in the 60s, well, not so much the 60s, but in the 70s and into the 80s were, you know, one of the elite programs and tremendous pitching. And so it's a it's a baseball town in a lot of ways. They don't even have, you know, they didn't even have football for a while. Um, and so, you know, it's the home of Babe Ruth. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a baseball town. And so they've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and they've been so bad for so long. So, look, I get Larry's point. I'm just saying, I looked up, I'm like, when I first thought it, heard about it earlier, I was like, okay, what's the deal with that? So I looked up Jorge Lopez. I mean, he's the guy's not been good. Like, So selling high is wise. But, um, but you know, and plus, they've had a lot of good arms. I mean, they've they had two arms in the bullpen last year. I don't know where they get all these good arms in Baltimore. They had two, and their bullpen's been very good this year, and it's not all Lopez. Um, they had two arms last year, and that Salser kid and that other one that I was high on. I was hoping the Astros would get them. And they've gone to other organizations and done okay. They haven't done great. Uh, they, for whatever reason, they've got a lot of bullpen arms in Baltimore, and they're building young. Now, again, I I don't I don't follow the minor leagues. I got to tell you, I don't. And so, the four guys that they got were all pitchers from the Twins: uh, two left-handers and two right-handers. And so, you know, I, I don't know. What um, how good they're going to be? But let's say they hit on two of those four and they become regulars at the major league level. Then I think that's a good trade. But but right now, to Larry's point, is that the public perception is not good for that. Now Trey Mancini, they traded him to the Astros. I mean Trey Mancini's a good player, but Trey Mancini's as good as he's ever going to get. Like. He is what he is. He's okay. He's a pretty good hitter. Strikes out a lot. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's never going to get any better. Now, I don't know that the Astros really gave I, – I don't know. From my perception, what the Astros gave up for him was not much. And so, I don't feel like um, – you know, they, they got this big haul for Trey Mancini, and you're not going to get a big haul for Trey Mancini because his ceiling, he's already hit his ceiling. I mean, he's never going to get better than he is right now. And so, we'll, you know, I understand a little more than some people with the Orioles did, but again, to Larry's point, it, 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 there's going to be some frustrated Oriole fans right now. Um, but we talked about it last hour with, 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 with Michael, and... I'm starting to wonder what the possibilities are that the Astros and, you know, it's not like Jason Castro um, 
is somebody that's on the top of the mind of the Astros. But I wonder what the chances are that Michael Brantley and Jason Castro will never play again for the Astros. Um, it might be way too premature to be saying that about Brantley, but I don't. Castro might have played it last. His career might be over. Like, this might be it for him. Because I, I think all signs pointed towards him <clears throat> retiring after this season anyway. And after getting Vasquez, is he really going to go to another team when he's on the I.L. and, I guess, beat up? And then, you know, he just looked washed. Like, offensively, he just did not get off to a good start at all. Uh, he's still a serviceable defensive catcher. Not tremendous, but serviceable. And I think he had the you know he had a really nice season last year hitting the ball. But uh, he had a lot of good at-bats. This year, not very many good at-bats at all. So he might be done. But more importantly, Brantley might be done. There's just a mystery there. Like, they don't say anything, which I get. But it just kind of leaves you... If they go out and get another outfielder day, there might be another example of because I don't. It, it's possible that they got Trey Mancini to be Michael Brantley, but I think they just got Trey Mancini as an insurance policy at first base and an insurance policy in the outfield uh, and in the lineup. Just overall, again, you they just you cannot go into the postseason with with. You know, Myers and McCormick getting a lot of at-bats. I'm okay if McCormick stays in there and you hit him against left-handers because he's he is a good hitter against left-handers. Against right-handers, he's not very good. And Myers just, you 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 he, he just can't be there. He, Myers needs to be traded just like Straw was traded last year. The Astros have been trying to get a center fielder for a while now, to be fair. Now, they found a way to win. You know, since they got rid of Springer, they they were in the World Series last year. They got one of the top three or four records in baseball all most of this season. So it's not like they're struggling. So um, they've managed to win without having a steady center fielder. But the search continues. They 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 need to um, for that to happen for sure. And hopefully they can kind of find a Band-Aid. Again, I don't want – I'm don't want. i I'm okay if when they get to the postseason, <clears throat> if Tucker ends up playing center field, which is probably the one, you know, option B. If they can't acquire one today, <clears throat> if, if it's play Myers in center field or play Icky in center field in the postseason I'm talking about then there's no question what your decision. I mean, Myers hopefully is not even on the team by then. But if he is still, then I'm okay playing him here and there and most of the time. But once you get to the postseason, that can't be. Icky's going to have to play center field, even though I don't really want that to happen. So we'll see how, how that plays out. So um, we'll know a lot more tomorrow. You know, I had a couple questions last week. Who do you think is going to go to the World Series? And again, I said, let's wait. Let's wait and see what happens by the trade deadline. So tomorrow we can kind of tomorrow can kind of be another version of like June the first, where okay, let's look at who's where, 
Uh, you got about two months left in the season. Let's look at who's where and <clears throat> what is it? Kind of reassess what everything looks like. And then, um, you know, obviously it'll be a lot of heavy football talk in addition to all that. Ba- but it'll be our last huge surge into a baseball talk uh, until the playoffs. And then obviously they, it gets a whole different interest level at that point. But this is um, a huge couple days for Major League Baseball and teams as they try to manage them their rosters and, and, and load up for the stretch drive. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. And um, we'll be doing a lot more baseball talk tomorrow, probably on Thursday. It'll be the really heavy kind of football season will start again. It'll be the first NFL preseason game. There'll be, you know, the Cajuns and the Tigers, and um, McNeese will have already reported and college football programs all over the country people teams will players will be reporting and starting practicing practice sessions so it'll be um you know it'll get it'll get hot and heavy and we'll start figuring some of that out then we will have um Koki on tomorrow and we can certainly get his thoughts about the Red Sox and trade deadline like we do most of the time but you know, really start the process of figuring out this LSU football team because it's nothing but a big question mark right now. um, If you just tell yourself, we're not going to, we're going to forget about the history of this program and you're just looking at it as a football team, not, you know, thinking, well, you know, three years ago they won the national championship. Any of that kind of stuff. If you just look at it as a football team and a coach and a players, how do you have any idea what to think of this team? I mean, I, I don't know anybody could have any idea what to think of this team. So we'll start that process with Koki tomorrow trying to figure out what in the world are you know, are LSU fans gonna see? This, you know, I heard um when Jim was talking to Kevin Gidry. You know, he he didn't you know, he's a big fan. Obviously, it sounds like he travels to games here and there and really follows the program as an ex player and he doesn't have any idea, but he's not alone. I mean, I don't know anybody has any idea. You you have those expectations based on history, but that you know, that kind of plays into it some, but really when you have all these new players and you have a new coaching staff. I don't know how much of that really matters in terms of wins and losses this season. So um, really tough one to figure out. No question about that. All right. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back on footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the game Clubhouse. If you would like to win all kind of great prizes, you can't do so unless you join the game Clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It's free. It's simple. Again, you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill. Any of those great prizes, uh, you can't win if you don't join the clubhouse, so do so today. All right, I, I have not really looked at the schedule, like to do any kind of countdown, countdown to when it's going to start, and I hinted at that yesterday. The Saints' first preseason game is August the 13th, so we're now 11 days away. In 11 days, which really is not long, but in 11 days we're going to see um, the Saints, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but they're going to run out onto the field, actually in Houston against the Texans. And, um, you know, who knows who's going to play. Um, again, we're going to talk way more about this next week, but it's kind of tricky. Like, do you play Jameis and Plastic Man? I mean, do you play them? They haven't, you know. Jameis hasn't played that much since he got to to New Orleans. Um, Plastic Man ain't played much the last two seasons. There's only three preseason games, and the last one normally means nothing. So that's normally all backups. And so normally you play the most – the starters play the most in the third game, but there is no technically – like. That third of four games doesn't exist anymore. There's only three games. And usually the last one means nothing. So really you only have two preseason games. When you're talking about what veterans should play and not play. Uh, And for those of you who are like me and, and you never pay attention to the preseason schedule, but now that we're in August, you kind of, okay, who do they play and when? The, 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 The Saints play... At Houston on August the 13th, as I just said. On the 19th, 16 days later, so Friday night on the 19th, the Saints play at Lambeau Field against the Packers. And then the Saints play their only home game of the preseason on Friday the 26th, which is the preseason game that typically is nothing. It's like a non-game. So the Saints don't really play a home preseason game this year because, you know, with any amount of players that you're going to care about or going to make the team, um, I mean, a few that will make the team will be playing on that Friday, but not normally many. And then obviously they open up the regular season against the Falcons on September the 11th. So 11 days away, uh, the whole – I think most of us – or not big fans of preseason football, and we've been lobbying, you know, in discussions for years and years, like let's limit the amount of 
preseason games and it's a ripoff for the season ticket holders and I get all of that. But now that we're in August, uh, you know, I thought I'd at least look at this schedule because I don't even know if I looked at it the the first. I mean, I had no idea until I just looked it up who they were playing and when they were playing and where they were playing because I don't ever pay attention to preseason schedules even when they're released. So that's what we're looking at for the Saints in the preseason. And I think they have I, – I, I think most positions are pretty filled, but whether it's – um, you know, depth at wide receiver or depth at linebacker or uh, what, you know, what running, like Abram Smith, like, I mean, again, that I think most Saints fans who think like me, who are really into it, I really think, look, seeing Abram Smith is going to probably be about as significant as anything that's going to happen in terms of, you know, the preseason or what you're looking forward to. Everybody... For me, preseason games are kind of nerve-wracking because, every, you know, all the veterans that are out there, every time they get the ball, I just hold my breath. Like, just just go down. Let, let, just, just, just walk off the field. I mean, it, and, and so, it, you know, in a regular season game, there's so much more on the line that that fear of injury is there, but you don't think about it. But in a game that means nothing – that's all. pretty much all I think about while I'm watching preseason games. They're kind of torture in that way, preseason game. It's like torture. It's like you're watching, oh, just go down. Just don't get hurt. Oh, why is he run, Why is he still in the game? Oh, the quarterback just got hit. Well, oh, why are we? Oh. It's, it's like mental cruelty is what preseason games are. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of tough decisions as far as who to play. Now, the fun part of preseason games is like I alluded to when David called the first hour, when you get to see rookies like Paulson Adebo last year, I was like, man, this is awesome. You know, you get to see newcomers, whether it's Abram Smith or, uh, you know, any, you know, this year, all a lot of this, it's going to be harder to look at a Trevor Penning. It's hard to, kind of hard to evaluate an offensive lineman in any game. But like Chris Olave, I'm sure he's going to play. If he catches a deep ball, I mean, Saints fans are going to be giddy, just like I was watching Paulson Adebo last year. I think that was against Jacksonville, wasn't it? Whatever, that first game, I'm like, whoa, look at his cap. And he is shining in camp. By the way, getting back to baseball, just saw a John Hyman tweet. Doesn't mean it's true because this stuff happens all the time and it ends up not being true. But it says lots of optimism now that the Nationals can get a Juan Soto deal done with Padres. Nothing official yet. And what that's referring to is apparently the Nationals are in the process of calling up multiple minor leaguers to their club for tonight's game. And so what that means is probably the trade's either imminent or has already been made. They just haven't released it yet, if those things are true. And so responding to that text is why Hyman said it was – is why a lot of people think the Padres are going to do it. You know, it's got to be interesting, those negotiations. Because if you're the Padres, your number one goal is, i got to get our team better. Your number two goal is, we cannot let the punks get this guy. We cannot. It's hard enough to beat those people. They have so much talent. 
We, if we have to overpay, then we have to overpay. We cannot let the punks get those guys. And then if you're the punks and you're just used to outspending everyone, they're probably thinking, man, can we really let the Padres get this guy? Think about how difficult it's going to be. So those negotiations between the Nationals and the punks and the Nationals and the Padres got to be interesting. And then you have all these Cardinal fans who have been told for two days that he's going to the Cardinals, which he still might. But the Padres, over the last four or five days, it just, it just I don't know, something tells me it's going to be the Padres. Uh, I don't know that, obviously. None of us know that. Um, another... Text here says the players have been agreed to the deal that will send Juan Soto from the Nationals to the Padres, but it is not officially done for various reasons. So I'm sure they're working out details if that's accurate. But according to Jim Bowden, who's a former GM of the Reds, he said that uh, the players have been agreed upon for the deal that would send Juan Soto to the Nationals from the Nationals to the Padres. Again, not official. But it sounds like it's getting close. And if Tatis can come back, if Tatis can come back, which he could come back and get hurt in in a week. Like, that guy's always hurt. But if he comes back and can play, man, you want to talk about three mega talents. Has there ever been three mega talents like that on one team? Like, I remember when the Reds traded for Eric Davis and Cal Daniels. I mean, those guys were good, but they weren't this talented. I mean, you're talking about three mega talents. Okay, here's another one. Sports Illustrated, breaking news. The Nationals and the Padres have agreed in principle on a trade that would send Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the Padres. So what Michael said was correct. If this is accurate, it's correct. Juan Soto, and what kind of haul? The Na- what kind of haul did the Nationals get on this? I can't wait to see what they got. I mean, it's got to be a couple major leaguers and just big-time talent. Like, the Padres, I mean, they're getting a plus first baseman and arguably the best hitter in baseball. What did they give up? Like, I wonder if they gave up multiple starters on the team right now and just big-time prospects. Wow. Wow. But you know what? I'd rather him go to the Padres than the Punks. Boy, that's going to make – that's going to make it mean – the 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 Padre Punk rivalry has been dominated. Um, but it's gonna really be dicey now. Like the the punks have kind of owned them, but and it's pretty vicious. Um but it's it it's if that's accurate, one, it's gonna be very interesting in an hour or whenever it comes out. Uh, what they gave up, and man, did did the end of this baseball season just get 
that much more interesting if if he if if those two guys really do go to the Padres. Wow. So looking at um, Matt Johnson on sports, not like an astronaut. Um, it says the Washington Nationals have traded outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to San Diego Padres just before the MLB trade deadline, receiving a package headlined by outfield prospect Robert Hassel III, James Wood, infielder C.J. Abrams, and right-handed pitcher Darlin Susana. Man. Seemed like they'd have to get a few major league players, too. You would think so. I would think so, too. I don't know. Can't wait to see the final deal. But don't, that Abrams is talented, but I don't know about him. I've seen him a little bit. I don't know much about the other ones. Again, I don't follow. I barely follow the Astros prospects in the minor league, much less what the Padre prospects look like. But we'll see. Um, Man. Wow. That's all you can say. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back and we'll continue to see information filtering in on this trade deadline day. We'll take a timeout and come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in Southwest Louisiana. Yes, yes, my year, Demario Davis, begins today. So thank you for all the birthday wishes. But multiple people are saying what Hannah just told us, and I just don't believe it. Like, if you believe this, these tweets, as we're reading them now, the Padres acquired arguably the best player in the game and a plus first baseman who can also play the outfield. For four minor leaguers. Like, there's no way. I, I just don't believe that all they got were four minor leaguers for two elite players. I, I, you know, again, one super elite player and one, you know, pretty elite player. I, I don't believe it. It's got to – now, I mean, that could be the crux of it, and there could be, you know, we're going to throw in Jake Cronenworth or we're going to throw in, you know, this player or, you know, that pitcher. Or, I mean, a couple, you know – major league I I just I can't believe they're only gonna they're gonna do that for four players really I that mean I feel like well I mean the one that where I got my from my information from was from a, a story that was written it wasn't even from a tweet it was from a story that was written oh again um, that, uh, multiple people are saying it I mean that's what is being reported right now it's right. just I think that it's might hard be to believe that's all now. it is I mean they could be giving that out now I mean how often are the players that are being traded for, you know, for like Juan Soto and them? How do you, does the pay, the players that are giving up, do they know before the trade is done or do they know after the fact? Well, I think they know after the fact. But Well, that might be who they're, they're <clears throat> saying is being given up now. They might have more players that are being given up, but they haven't reported on them yet because they haven't told the players themselves. Yeah, it, that it, could it's be just got thing. to be. That, that, that would be hard to believe that they're going to get – you only have to give up four minor leaguers to get two elite players. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I think. I think. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Mackenzie Gore 
and one more major league player. See? So Mackenzie Gore is a pretty good young pitcher, uh, but that's still only six. But that makes more sense than four. At least you know, pr- at least two major leaguers in addition to that makes more sense. I, I, I just, I still think that's a great trade for the Padres. Great trade, but just four minor leaguers didn't make any sense. All right, we're overdue. We're at the top of the hour. We'll continue to react to that tomorrow. Y'all have a nice day.